0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap, Episode 3. I'm Jason Kopech, back here at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company. Dr. Frey, happy to have you back. Glad we were able to keep this thing rolling.
1: Glad to be back, Jason.
0: We have a very special guest tonight. Uh, We're going to be touching on Fernando Tatis, Major League Baseball shortstop for the San Diego Padres, up-and-coming superstar who suffered a shoulder injury uh, a few days ago and we're happy to be joined by Dr. Jeff Murray. Good evening, guys. Uh,
2: Thanks for having me. Dr. Murray, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Jason. So, uh, Jeff Murray, uh, been out uh, practicing uh, in sports medicine about six years now. Uh, Born and raised in the South Jersey area where I practice. Spent uh, a year doing sports medicine fellowship up in Central Massachusetts at the University of Massachusetts where we worked closely with the uh, AAA Pawtucket Red Sox. Um, part of the uh, uh, Red Sox uh, organization so I spent a lot of time working with uh, up-and-coming Major League Baseball players there. I uh, also have uh, a master's degree in physical therapy from my undergrad training which uh, leads to uh, you know a little different perspective on some of these injuries from a, a therapy standpoint as well as a surgical standpoint. You know
0: as we mentioned Fernando Tenise, Tatis, 22-year-old, up-and-coming superstar, San Diego Padres. Rockstar. Uh, You know, so much so that the Padres signed him to a $340 million contract, spread over 14 years, but, you know, uh, that's still a pretty good chunk of change. So, obviously, they see him as a centerpiece of their franchise moving forward. Obviously, they're in a tough division in the NL West because they got to compete with the Dodgers and the Giants. You know, he was off to a slow start in, in 2021, but albeit five games. But we'll back up a bit. He leaves a spring training game, guys, uh, March 23rd. Attempting to backhand the ball from the reports. Uh, leaves the game. Only misses two games. Uh, but what was reported as shoulder soreness. Nothing more than that. Uh, and that brings us to the injury on April 5th. I know both you guys have you know seen the, the replay at this point. He takes, and Dr. Murray, you're, you're the baseball guy, I would say that's an aggressive swing. Absolutely. He, he's not thinking curveball there, which is what he got. I'm, I'm thinking he was sitting fastball, you know, he, he puts on a, a heck of a swing, swings and misses, straight three, but he goes down and doesn't come back up. You know, Dr. Frey, first thoughts when you see that. He, he's attended to immediately on the field by the athletic trainers. All right. I've been in that situation. I'm I'm kind of already guessing what has happened. What's your thoughts at that point?
1: So I thought it was a violent swing. He swang really hard Um, and and he missed. And, you know, initially you hear the announcer saying like, is it his elbow? Is it his wrist? Is It's his wrist. It's it's probably his wrist. And like, like, you know, I hope it's his wrist, not his elbow kind of a thing because it's such an odd, injury right like we're used to a whole different mechanism for this particular type of injury uh and, and all of a sudden you see it happen on this guy and you know this violent swing this this follow-through one hand comes off the bat during the follow-through kind of reaching a little bit uh during the swing and you see him grab the shoulder and kind of fall to the floor and riding in pain it was just a little bit surprising at first Dr. Myers,
0: does that get to you as much as it does me? And maybe it shouldn't, but you hear these announcers saying, you know, maybe it's his elbow, maybe it's his wrist, but he's obviously
2: grasping at the shoulder. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I mean, you as a you know trained medical professional, right. we can kind of see that, yeah. that. That looked like what we're seeing is that, you know, that it was more the shoulder than, than the wrist of the elbow. But, I mean, you see that across yeah. all sporting things that the, the yeah. announcers are always bound to speculate right. something and sometimes they're right, but right. oftentimes they may be way off. And that's not, you know, them yeah. trying to do any harm or anything like that. It's just, you know, that they're not trained to see these things like we are.
1: They're taking their best guess. Yeah.
2: So after the game, the Padres manager, uh,
0: Jace Tingler, you know, obviously has his press conference. And, and the whole the whole baseball community is concerned about, uh, about Fernando just because of who he is and what this means moving forward. Jace reports out that, it, you know, obviously it's too soon to speculate, but – He then says that Fernando has dealt with shoulder dislocations in his past. But he says that this is by far the worst pain that he's seen him in. Does that make you wonder about that spring training injury? Was that just, in fact, shoulder soreness? Could he possibly have dislocated, as the manager said, back then?
2: Well, I think you start to get a little bit into... um, Semantics and medical terminology mm-hmm. because true dislocation is probably not what's been right. going on here You know if he has true dislocations oftentimes that requires medical attention to Somebody relocate, to reduce it right the yeah. joint more likely what? He did was subluxated the shoulder which means it, it Almost came all the way out It partially slides out the the unfortunate problem with that is it still can cause the same amount of damage That a full dislocation can cause when you talk about the, the labral tissue or the tissue that kind of lines the socket of the shoulder joint. So I think it's 100% reasonable if he's stretched with a backhand right. and has some underlying pre-existing labral pathology that that could aggravate it. Um, if that, especially if that ball was hit pretty sharply and kind of forces his glove back as he's catching that ball. So, yeah, I doubt that his shoulder soreness was separate from this. You know, I think he may have been dealing with this a little bit before that, and then it just fully came to a, to a head when he took that kind of violent aggressive swing
0: so I think one of the topics we've touched on in the last couple episodes is, is the fact that uh, the beauty of pro sports where he had that MRI the next day right yeah. which is very atypical than the general population where we're waiting for insurance verification and all that type of stuff where we wait weeks so right we knew within 24 36 hours that he had the MRI And looking into it, Dr. Frey, I mean, I saw multiple different reports, right? I saw posterior subluxation, posterior labral tear. I saw batter shoulder thrown out there. How different are these things? And. Which one would you consider to be the most accurate?
1: So I think uh, all of them, to be honest with you, in this particular situation. That's what I was getting at. (laughs) Right, yeah. You know, different events happening and um, causing all of those things. So so batter's shoulder, um, kind of a newer diagnosis or a newer type of injury, and we'll, we'll get into some of the mechanics of it, you know, winds up resulting in basically the ball of the ball and socket joint of the shoulder sliding, um, towards the back of the shoulder, towards the back of the glenoid, the, the socket, um, and, and as it does, it bumps into a rubber gasket that surrounds the socket. Now, it's not really rubber, but it looks an awful lot like it. As it does that, it can cause an injury or tear or a small tear or a partial tear to that rubber gasket you know you threw out three things you know subluxation yeah well it subluxed it sort of slid out even though it didn't come out entirely but it subluxed a little bit and it subluxed posteriorly towards the back and it bumped into the rubber gasket the labrum ca- causing a labral tear and that mechanism is is now being termed a coined batter's so- shoulder.
0: Dr. Murray given your baseball background I have a lot of trust in my education from the wonderful people at Westchester University's athletic <laughs> training program. I, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with golfers elbow, tennis elbow, jumpers knee. I started questioning whether or not it was just a, a class that I had missed that day where shoulders or a batter's shoulder was brought up. Is, is, is that a newer term? To is me, that, yes, I mean, it's familiar? not
2: its not something that's thrown out yeah. as commonly as, yes, golfer's elbow, yeah. tennis elbow, um, you know, runner's knee, right. things of that nature. It's a very specific diagnosis that yeah. doesn't happen as commonly, I think, to the lay public, sure. which is why maybe it's not out there as much. This is something you're seeing more in our high-level athletes, yeah. you know, collegiate baseball players, mm-hmm. you know, high-level high school baseball players, professional baseball mm-hmm. players. you're not seeing it in those people so outside of that community of people that are taking care of those patients you're not going to hear about it as much Um, and this is probably the first person on a major scale that has been you know diagnosed with you know this you know problem you know i mean you look at baseball and i you know i watch a lot of baseball and i have to say satis is one of the most exciting players that's come across major league baseball in many years and so who would be the closest
0: Somebody like Bryce Harper, like uh, coming up,
2: like as much as people don't Acuna, maybe not like this. Good. As being an Atlanta Braves fan, I'd have to say Ronald Acuna would yeah. be right yeah. up there as one yeah. of the most exciting players coming through recently. I was even going to say like
0: that hype at that age. Oh like, yeah, right, I mean right, you got
2: to yeah. throw hyper Harper out yeah. there as a guy that's had that kind of hype. Trout's yeah. had that kind of right, hype. Sure. You know for but, sure. <laughs> you know Tatis is one of those players that plays hard and plays right. you know mm-hmm. full of energy all day every day and is an exciting player to watch. And can so he stay anything, healthy? Right. This is now, you know, he missed a lot of time last year with a separate injury. So he's, he's missed some time, and they've invested a lot of money into him. Yeah. It's interesting to say that they invested all this money if they've known that this was a problem, Right. you know, without trying to address it in the past. The other thing is, if it's been a problem, is this his first MRI. Hmm. Uh, hard to believe, again. I would agree. I mean, working with, you know, the higher-level baseball teams, I mean, we were looking at... MRIs of elbows and shoulders of 16-year-old kids in the Dominican that were getting looked at to maybe be signed, let alone this guy that's making $340 million. It's hard to believe this would be his first MRI. It's sort
1: of crazy that this that this is the, kind of the news of like, well, there may have been a history of some subluxations in the past. It's coming out now, right? Like, like this monster contract at a really good place and all of a sudden... Now we're getting that information. You'd like yep. to think that they had that information beforehand, but who knows? So I also, you know, like we keep saying, or at least I keep saying, it's it's a little bit odd, right? This is not your standard sort of instability situation, and I don't know that we've already started to get into it. But but can you get into a little more detail as to why this particular scenario, battered shoulder, is different than you know what we typically see are standard instability issues.
2: Sure, I mean I think the biggest issue is that we're talking about it being posterior or coming out the back of the shoulder. Most shoulder dislocations or shoulder instability injuries are anterior in nature. They come out the anterior-inferior part of the shoulder. If you want to go with baseball references, another exciting young player, um, Cody Bellinger, it's exactly what he did celebrating a home run in the World Series. He went up with one of his, you know, teammates and kind of they smacked elbows together. And what that did was it forced his elbow backwards, which forced his shoulder forward mm-hmm. and damaged the front of the labrum, which is much more common. Football players with dislocations or subluxations, most of the time that's what you're seeing is, you know, they reach out to make a tackle and their arm gets hit back and it forces the shoulder out.
1: So anteriorly. I'm going to cut you off there for a second. What about linemen? Football okay,
2: yeah. So that's a fair point. The one place that we normally do or most commonly see posterior subluxations or posterior labral tears is in linemen in uh, in high levels of football because they're going up to block every play and when they go up to block and somebody runs into them it's forcing their shoulders backwards or posteriorly and that's where you see that that injury most commonly but when you're talking about the acute player on the field grabbing their shoulder or walking off the field with their arm hanging at their side that's more likely that anterior or anterior inferior dislocation which is a different animal when you talk about treatment options and long-term
1: and there's a pretty, pretty dramatic propensity of one over the other, right? I mean, it's like nine times out of ten, they're going out the front, maybe even more than that. Other than sort of rare occasion, they're going out the front. It's almost every time. And now we have this this, uh, uh, this different entity where, where, where it's, it's abutting the back and it's causing issues in the back.
2: Do
0: you think the outcome would have been different and, and probably not long term? Because my guess is if he had this kind of underlying issue, this was bound to... To surface at some point, but Dr. Mer, if he had even gotten a piece of that of that pitch, fouled it off with just having that counter force. Do you think the outcome would have been the same?
2: That's a tough question to answer for sure, but I, yeah. I would guess um, based on how much contact he made. Right. If he's just barely touching it, yeah. it's not really. Yeah. But if it gives enough to give a little backward force to the right. bat a little bit, mm-hmm. then yeah, it might have protected him a little bit. But but essentially, if he with, got pain yeah. with just a reach on a backhand. Right. This sounds like something that was brewing. And, and that's what I was and saying. Like it, at some it was going to happen at
0: some point. At some point he was going to swing and miss and it was probably going to surface. But you know, would we be talking about this tonight had you know, had he gotten anything? You yeah. Know, yeah. And, yeah. It's hard to say. Right? It, was,
2: it sounds like it was a bit yeah. of a t- ticking time bomb. Yeah.
0: One of the things I love uh, you know, from the physician standpoint that I don't have a lot of experience, and we brought it up last week when we were discussing LeBron James, is the radiology side of things. So let's say you had a patient come in the office and you sent them from an MRI, so now you're at your workstation, and you're seeing the MRI for the first time. What are you seeing that indicates a posterior subluxation?
2: So, a couple things you you be looking for. So, you're looking uh, at that socket and the, the labral tissue around it, and sometimes for these kind of injuries, you need to put a little bit of dye inside the shoulder to help mm-hmm. accentuate the injury, or the, the, the visualization of the injury. That, that labrum or that you know, gasket that Dr. Frey talked about, or I like to sometimes call it a bumper, um, is very closely adhered to that socket. And so if you get a normal MRI and you have a subtle tear, sometimes you'll miss that. So what you do is you can put some dye in the the shoulder, which is bright white on the MRI, and so that'll leak into a small tear, and you'll think, well, there shouldn't be fluid there. If there's fluid there, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Other times, if it's a really significant injury, you can start to see some change to the front of the ball or some bruising in the front of the ball if it's come out far enough because when it comes out a little bit, that front of the ball will bang off the back of the socket and it'll cause some damage there. When it comes out the front, that's called a a hill sachs lesion. When it comes out the back, we call it a reverse hill sachs lesion. So those are the kind of things you'd be looking for. And even if it's really bad, you can see fracture to the back of that socket. Instead of just the the bumper or gasket tissue getting damaged, if it's real severe, you can knock off a piece of the bone with it. And well, you'll see that pretty clearly.
0: Are we all in agreement? You know, the reports, were in agreement, posterior subluxation, posterior labral tear, right? I mean, that, that that might be the first time that this has come up on this episode where we agree with the MRI report, right?
1: So we, we, we don't get to see the report, right? So we can't have our own interpretation of it, which is typically what you want to do when, yeah. when you're actually treating the athlete. However, however, you know, with that report, yeah, the mechanism seems right in line. Everything adds up, right? Seems right yeah, and sure. sure. And so then that sends us down another pathway, right? That's my, probably um, my next question. Go ahead. Treatment options. Right. What are we Surge- thinking about?
0: Surgery or non-surgery, in your guys' opinion? Are you talking about the average person with a posterior labral tear? Or are talking about Fernando Tatis? I'm talking about, I guess in this instance, I'm talking about Fernando Tatis, $340 million. Right? So Right now, as we stand, the Padres are 8-3, and three, and they are only chasing the Dodgers for the second-best record in Major League Baseball. Good team. Are we are we trying to do this non-surgical? You think?
2: I think they'll try to get him through this year if they can. Yeah, and yeah. I think they'll fix it in the off-season if this is yeah. You know, if they can get him yeah. there. Yeah, they're they you know they've put a lot of money out to make this team a competitive yeah. ball club, and they've right. done a good job. It's just not a to swing and miss anymore. Uh, right? Yeah, he's right. just no. got to make contact yeah. all the time, which is <laughs> pretty easy if you've ever played baseball, right? Right. But no, in all honesty, I think they're gonna do whatever they can. Mm-hmm. I think. The thing that helps them a little bit is it's his glove side yeah. and not his throwing arm. Right, uh, Gives him a chance where he's not you know, quite using it as much. So they're gonna do everything they can, I think, to treat him non-surgically now. Yeah, But I'm not sure that's a forever answer. I think right, right, he's right. gonna fix it. Now, if you talk about the regular population, the guys like us that are weekend right. warriors, things like that, that come in and, and maybe have a posterior labor tear, mm-hmm. conservative treatment all day, every day yeah. to start because most people can live with a posterior labral tear that right. aren't, you know, getting K- billions of dollars. Swings through, or right. They're not playing competitive, you know, sports yeah. where they're collision athletes. Right. You know, and occasionally, you know, people do fail that. And then you talk about surgical treatment, but it's first, it's certainly not the first treatment option for the regular, right. you know. Right,
0: right. right. in agreeance?
1: Yeah, so... This, the, is, this is
0: your patient now. Yeah. So, right, so are you treating non-surgical?
1: It depends on the grade of the tear. Yeah. I mean, what, what do I mean by that? So yeah. Dr. Kim is a... Uh, graded these tears and there's one, two, three, four on severity of the tear. Mm -hmm. And if it's a lower grade tear where it's more of a little bit of a split, um, some wearing down, uh, at that point it's a lower grade tear, I think it's worth it, especially early in the season um, to try to get him through the season, try to save the season. It's not. It's not anything you can't fix after the season. The problem will be if he, if it, you know, if it recurs, if he has another injury, or if it's so painful it's affecting his swing and he's unable to perform. I think it's a reasonable thing to try. I was a little surprised when I first heard it. Truth is, frequently, if they are slightly higher grade, they don't tend to do that grade if you don't go down a surgical road. But you know, we have to presume that it is lower grade. We have to take. Um, take the information we've been given at face value, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, let's let's give it a try, see how he does. Yeah. You know, I, th- I know that this team has a lot invested in this guy over the long haul, right? You have to assume that they're not going to risk that just for, for this right. one year. And Now, granted, this is a good team that's built to win right now. Right. You know, they've been slowly kind of reaching that point, And in the last year maybe 2 they've kind of gotten to that point where we're like this game could make some noise and so they've they've gone they've gone i don't want to say all in but they've certainly gone in more in and uh, investing in the team and investing in winning now, but even that, even that, when you make that kind of an investment in, in, in an individual player, you're not going to risk that investment in that individual player over the long haul um, for the sake of the one season. So, so we have to assume that just as they reported it, slight tear, lower grade injury, and you know maybe he does have a chance of getting you know doing just fine non-operatively. Is that going to be the right answer for the rest of his, rest of his career? Probably not. I would be surprised. Cody Bellinger, right? Get him through the World Series. Now, entirely different injury it was the an anterior, um, but still get him through. Get him through the rest of the season. Of course, they're at the very end of the season. They're you know going to the World Series, whereas we're at the very beginning of the season. But get him through the rest of the season. Fix it in the off season. Fix it when you can without too much cost.
0: We're definitely all on the same page, and there's nothing more that excites me as an athletic trainer to just think that, yeah, we're going to attack this rehab-wise. And we're going to get him back ASAP. As we sit here on April 14th, right, uh, Wednesday evening, reports came out yesterday, April 13th, that he has been on uh, on video. He's been taking field work and live BP with the team. So we're only about 10 days past the injury. He is eligible to come off the injured list. He was on short-term, April 16th, which is two days from today, Friday. Just so happens they start a three-game series with the Dodgers, Friday,
2: Saturday, Sunday.
0: You think it's too soon, Dr. Murray?
2: I think that's hard to say without being able to lay your hands on the Absolutely. on the player and examine him. Yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about these types of injuries, any type of labral injury, and you're in season and you're trying to get a player through the mm-hmm. season, then maybe to talk about long-term right. treatment after. Right. My opinion is full range of motion, full strength, no pain. You got those things, then you are where you are. Right. And it's time to test it and see how we do. And so if he can manage to get there, then, you know, and if, certainly if they're letting him take BP and letting him take ground balls, mm-hmm. then if he's not there, he's sure he's close. Right, right. I, th-
1: I think they're going to get input from their from their physical therapists that are working with him, right? They're going to be able to gauge just where he is to a large extent.
0: And we have a great second part of this uh, topic coming up uh, next week where we're going to discuss with one of our physical therapists about this type of injury, and we're going to get into all the, the rehab, you know, the ins and outs here. Yeah, I, I just hope that they're not... You know, somebody with his caliber. I hope they're not rushing things, where they're just getting ahead of themselves with a, a big series with the, you know, interdivision rivals with the Dodgers this early in the year, and trying to, you know, make up some ground with them.
1: I, I love the idea of trying to get him back as quickly as you can. I would not be surprised if it did take a little bit longer. I think, by all accounts or uh, by the reports, it, it appears that he may be coming back on the 16th or shortly thereafter. But I, I, you know. I would not be surprised if this is three weeks or four weeks, you know, before he gets back. A lot of these guys, especially like you kind of your anterior dislocations or your anterior subluxations, you feel pretty good after about a week. Like like it doesn't right. take that long right. to start feeling relatively normal again. Are mm-hmm. you there? Are you ready to go? Um, maybe not, but you start feeling pretty good. So so you know, I guess uh, you know, in my opinion, there is a little bit of a gamble getting them back. Um, on you know the 16th if that's when they bring him back
0: a lot a lot of things as the athletic trainer. It always gets back to um, You know, hey, we got to have you see doc, right? So dr. Marillette Fernando's not coming into to our office, right, but you have you have an athlete of whatever level high school, whatever it may be You did just touch on it, but say it again What are you looking for to give final permission for him to play on April sixteenth? two days away? It's 12 days after injury.
2: Sure, I mean, I think it's full range of motion, full strength, no pain, mm-hmm. you know, no pain with you know provocative maneuvers of the shoulder that mm-hmm. elicit pain with posterior labral tears. You can get through that stuff. I think that's where you're, you're starting to say it's okay. You know, you talk about a young, exciting player like him. Sometimes it's up to us as the physicians, you as the athletic trainer, the physical therapist of the team to save the player from themselves. He wants right. to play. He yeah. wants to be out there. And you get that a lot. We with, need to be the ones that are smart. That though. say, yeah. hey, listen, I get what you're saying. Right. But we need to make sure that this is okay yeah. before we get you out there and do that. And we run into the same thing with high school athletes, college athletes, all the time. That the kid wants to get back to play, which is great. But we got to look at the bigger picture and say, listen, we're if we can get you back to play now, but then you may injure it again and miss even more time. You know, we may have to sacrifice a few games today to protect your game, you know, more games long term.
1: Pull the rings, slow them right.
0: down. It's not easy to do. No. And I think the, the million dollar question where, you know, where we're going to leave off for this evening is, how did we get them to that point? Full range of motion, full strength. And, and that's why we have a great, you know, second guest for us, uh, one of our physical therapists over at the energy lab, Jess Harrison. She's going to walk us through that. But I think for tonight, I mean, that's going to pretty much wrap it up. I think it's probably time we go ahead and close out our tab. Before we take off for the evening, we just want to go ahead and thank our sponsors, our good friends and colleagues at Reconstructive Orthopedics for providing us the support and means necessary to get this endeavor off the ground running. The Energy Lab, located here in Pittman, New Jersey. The premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, as always, for hosting us each and every episode. Our good friends at Timber Reel Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, and Kyle Miller, our editor. Without them, I think Dr. Frey and I would still be struggling to plug the microphones in. Total turf experience for all your sports needs. Do us a favor and find us wherever you get your podcasts from. SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us so that you get all the updates of the latest episodes. And give us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. You could also reach out to us on sportsmedontap at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you tell us how we're doing. Let us know if there's any specific topics you're interested in hearing or you would like to hear from certain guest speakers. Again, that's sportsmedontap at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.